0: I'm recording Parshas Mishpatim for Meritz Yisrael, I'm here with my father and spoke in a sh- his shul on Rechov Narkis in Rechavir this morning. I'm dedicating it to the memory in the yortzite of my mother which is coming up on Zain Adar and her nishama should have an aliyah uh, from our discussions this morning. In the Duff Ditty that I put out daily, uh, there was a question in the Gemara as regarding Abaya and Rava in their youth. Uh, their Rebbe said, we can predict that these will be great Tamidecha Chomim, when they responded to his question, to who do you pray? And one pointed to the ceiling and the other ran outside and pointed to the heavens. Clearly, the fact that at this tender age they knew to whom they were davening to, praying to, the Rebbe predicted that these will be great Talmudic Haramim in the future. My question was more as to the difference between a buyer and robber, mm-hmm. and the fact that one pointed inside the base medrash to the ceiling, and the other had to run outside and point to the starry skies to identify the divine, uh, did that have an impact in their future life, in their hoi raw, in their whole spiritualities, and differences between them? That's the stuff of a PhD, I guess. But I wanted to suggest that that also represents two ways of viewing The divine, the transcendent, the one who goes out and has to see, as Heschel says in the beginning of man in search of God, the starry skies filled with myriads of celestial bodies that move a person to the question, who could have been the author of all of this, this transcendent deity, totally other, versus uh, the uh, the child sitting in the base medrash and pointing to the ceiling, pointing in the direction of above, in which the imminent divine is clearly present to him, even within the costly base medrash in the four walls of the base medrash. Whether this could represent the two views of the soyvev kolalmin and the kol kolalmin, the transcendent versus the imminent. And I want to bring that out in today's Parsha's Mishpatim, which starts off Vayikach Sefer Habris, And Moses took the Book of the Covenant at the end of Mishpatim, and read it in the hearing of the people, in the ears of the people, and they said, All that Hashem has said, we will do and we will listen. Now the earliest commentators questioned the meaning of the phrase nasavanishma we will do and we will listen how can one possibly fulfill that which you have yet to hear uh, clearly uh, you're not a robot and you have to understand, and to be an intelligent, obedient servant, you have to understand, so the Nishma should have gone before the nase. We all learned this in yeshiva, and there are lots of meforashim that use this homiletically to tell us what obedience really requires, etc., etc. Furthermore, Reb Shlomo Elkabitz and Men- Menachem Mendel of Riminov say that if indeed nase and Nishma is the correct uh, sequence and such a monumental accomplishment, why doesn't Moshe Rabbeinu refer it as he reviews this moment of the revelation in history? Remember, the Deuteronomist in Pashas Veschanan writes in Devorim 5.22, in the mouth of Moshe, V'at t'daber eis kol asher yedaber Adonai Eloheinu elecha Osinu. Go and hear all that Hashem our God shall say, and speak to us all that Hashem our God shall speak to you, and we will hear it, and then we will do it. So in the Deuteronomists, the the reverse order, if this was such a monumental accomplishment to be able to say, we will do and we will obey, why is it reversed in Devarim? Here, rather than emphasizing its original transcendent character— he reverses the order, placing the listening before the doing. So when we go to Medrash Rabbah twenty-eight two in Pashas Yisro, it says, "Vayedabe Elokim eskal ha-devorim ha lemo, anochi etc." The Medrash then says, "Lo be tachsis shel melachim nahu haKadosh im Yisrael, la makach b'shus she'amru nase venishma." Hashem didn't conduct Himself as a king with Klal Yisrael why meaning a king would normally go through a vizier and through a court and through angels he had a direct contact with them why because of the nasa nishma and the yefetar explains that it's proper etiquette for a king to communicate with his kingdom through the office of an agent hashem diverged from this by speaking to klal yisrael himself And that is because of this mysterious Naseh V'nishma. In the merit of Naseh V'nishma, he spoke to them directly. The Gemara in Shabbos 88a teaches, Doresh Rav Simai taught, Beshar she'ekdimah Yisrael Naseh l'nishma ba'u shishimri b'shel malcheh Asharas, the famous Gemara, l'kalechot ve'echod mi Yisrael, kosher l'heh k'shnei k'sorim, the moment Klal Yisrael preceded Naseh before Nishma, at that moment six hundred thousand ministering angels came, and bound every Jew with two crowns, one corresponding to Naseh and one corresponding to Nishma. What are these two crowns? The Shlach Kadosh, in his Sefer Mitzvah to Fill in, quotes the Zohar, a very famous Zohar, which says that the two crowns were the Tefillin Shel Rosh and the Tefillin Shel Yad. The Shlon notes that this concept is consistent with the language of the Gemara, Kishru Lo Shnei kisorim. He bound every Jew with two crowns. This terminology is used in reference to putting on tefillin. What's the connection between the Mitzvah tfillin and Naseh V'Nishma in the Zohar? Now, we're told that if you look it up, V'Nishma, and we will hear, is found in three places in Tanakh. The first place is Nase V'nishma in our parsha, Bishbotim. The second is in Shmos 28:35, Vahoya al Aaron Lashores, Venishma kolo, Bevo el and his sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place. And number three in Megillus Esther, first chapter, verse 20, Venishma pitgam and the king's decree will be heard. So the Bob of Arov tries to connect the connection of these seemingly random psukim. The true definition of the word vanishma, according to the Bhava Rav, does not mean auditory listening. It refers to a kind of hearing that takes place deep within the mind and heart, what Rav Cook would call an intuitive hearing. Perception at this depth allows one to transform the dense physicality of being into spirituality. A change through this kind of hearing is seen in the words of Medrash Rabba on the power of the ears and their relationship to the body. Now, the Morinaim in, in uh, the Reb Nachum, Nachum of Chernobyl elaborates on this theme by saying, when Shlomo Melech in Malachim 1:3 says, "V'nasato leiv shomeya," what is a leiv shomeya? The heart is a pump; it's not a Hearing heart. Give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people so I can discern between good and bad. For the Morinaim, the posuk focuses on the listening of the heart that actually leaves an impression on the listener. Every nation heard, according to the Morinaim, about the miracles that took place when Klal Yisrael left Mitzrayim. They even trembled in fear as a result of the supernatural wonders that occur. But they weren't moved to change their lives. Unlike Yisro, who not only heard, Va'yishma Yisro, but heard with his heart, he converted as a result of his hearing with the heart. The Torah then testifies, Va'yishma Yisro, Yisro was the only one who truly heard. The Yismach Moshe in Pasha's Tzav discusses this premise. He writes that hearing really takes place in the heart. The ears are merely the conduit, the physiological faculty into this most private mythical space. He proves this by quoting the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, 27a, that Zohar Shama was said by Hashem in one statement. Remember that in, that in, in Shmos it's one and in Vaischanon it's the other, Shomar and Zohar. And we're told by the Gemara, how is it possible? It's either one or the other. You can't hear both. So we were told Zohan Shama but Dibu They were said in one utterance. Well, if you had to listen to a cacophony of sounds, you wouldn't be able to make out either one or the other. That which the mouth cannot utter and the ear cannot hear. Clearly, Kali heard the Dibur, despite the fact that the ear could not process such a miraculous intonation. And Reb Shmeral of Ostrovsa said he heard from the holy mouth of the and Magid. The explanation of the words we say every day that explain this Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. Before Shemona Esra and Shachris, we say, How fortunate is the person who listens to your mitzvahs and your Torah and your word he places on his heart. The Koshnes and Magid then made the following claim, it's a huge chiddush that every one of the 613 mitzvahs has a unique power. So if a person fulfills the mitzvah with the two wings that the Zoya says, Ava love and awe, and the fullness of their being, now hear this, the mitzvah will cause him to hear a message from Hashem. It's a huge chiddush that the mitzvahs themselves are not an end in themselves. Each mitzvah has a unique koach. So the driving engine of that koach is the love and awe, the intentionality that you bring to that mitzvah with the fullness of your being. Remember, halachically, there are very few mitzvahs that require kavanah. We've been going through this in the Gemara and Brachas, in the Yomi, And there are minimum fulfillment requirements, but the Koshnet Market has actually raised the spiritual bar by making a unique claim that each mitzvah has its own message that's buried in it in its performative aspect as long as you bring with you this Ava and Yira to it. The message that comes from this mitzvah will purify and sanctify the person who fulfilled the command of Hashem. So there's a kind of theurgic hamshacha of Kedusha that comes down in the performance of a mitzvah in this way. And this is the praise of this tefillah. Ashrei ish she Yishma le Mitzvah It praises the person who acts in a manner that causes him to hear the word of Hashem. This is the Yishma that comes from the heart. And then the Torah and your words will be placed on the heart. And he won't reside just merely in the auditory apparatus, but he'll bring the heart, the love and awe, the fullness of his being to the mitzvah. Ashrei is, she's happy because he accesses this M.S. this message that's coming from Hashem. So we now then can appreciate the terminology of the possek in B'Shalach. Vayomer, the Lord says, If you listen to the voice of your God, remember, Shomo Tishmo is in the double imperative. You do that which is right in his eyes so you will hear his commandments not and you will hear his commandments but the koshnet samagid helps us understand the added dimension of hearing to the mitzvahs meaning if you listen surely listen meaning with your heart to the voice of hashem then has mitzvosov, you will get this message that you can hear from the mitzvos. Hearing is the result of someone who fulfills the mitzvos with the fullness of their being. So the medrash in Devorim Rabbah says, "Mehechan <laughs> shema." From where did Am Yisrael, the Klal Yisrael, merit the Shema? Omar Rabbi Pinchas <laughs> Bar mi from Matan Why? Because. You will find Hashem opened the giving of the Torah with the following words: "Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohecha," and then everyone else answered, "Adonai Elokeinu Adonai Echad." So Klal Yisrael responded, "Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad." That is, if they can, com- un- if they undertake the commitment to Torah mitzvahs in a manner that will enable the mitzvahs to declare the fundamentals of Anochi Yashem meaning that they open their heart, Likros Shema, what they listen with the listening heart, then the mitzvahs themselves inspire those performing the mitzvahs with this message. So we now can return to Parashas Yitzro. and we can understand that. The reason Qal Yisrael had the merit to hear from directly from Hashem Yisrael rather than an agent, agent is because of their absolute commitment to perceive the essence of the fulfillment of a mitzvah, not just to listen, but to listen with the hearing heart. To hear in one's heart the message Hashem infuses in the mitzvah and to be transformed by it. So that's why the Medrash says it went directly. And this explains how the statement Naseh veNishma. Resulted in the gift of tefillin, shel yad, and shel rosh. The tefillin tied to the arm conveys the concept of action and corresponds to the nasa, we will do, and the tefillin on the head corresponds to the neshama. So then we can go back to the three psukim of the mesoira, nasa, venishma, we will do and we will hear. In order to comprehend Klal Yisrael's intent in this statement, the second pasuk, Nishma kolo bavoel kodesh when Aaron goes into the Koche meaning the heart, he'll hear the message from Hashem as he performs that mitzvah. And in the merits of their commitment, they were privileged to hear from Hashem himself, not through an agent, the nishma Pitgama melech the word of the king, not the king Achashverosh, but the melech malchei lochim. I was very moved by the kotzei, it's a notion. That Nase of is preceding the Nase to the Nishma because both the Nase and the Nishma come after you have preceded by preparing the heart, by priming the heart to receive the word of God. The Nase then is only secondary to that primal preparation and therefore, the Naseh is the doing so that finally Nishma doesn't mean an intellectual understanding of what you're doing. But Nishma means hearing the message that's encoded in the Maseh. It's an absolutely staggering claim in mystical literature that encoded in every mitzvah is a message from the divine. This would represent for me uh, the transcendent. Abaya and Rava are looking to their Rebbe and answering the question, who do you pray to? And one goes out and looks at the starry skies. I think that that's the notion that somehow there is a transcendent that has access through revelation requiring certain theological practices of the mitzvot. I want to give the opposite view, the young student who just looks up in the Daladamus of his base medrash and points to the ceiling representing the imminent divine. And in the writings of Rav Avram Yitzchok HaCohen Cook, he talks about Naseh veNishma. Naseh veNishma, Naseh El-Tachlis. The Naseh and the Nishma, the ultimate moment of glory for the Jewish people, their greatest hour occurred, as God revealed His Torah at Har Sinai, and they pledged Naseh veNishma. Exodus twenty-four-seven. They made two promises: to do and to listen, and the order is crucial. They promised to keep the Torah even before knowing why. And the Medrash in in Gemara and Shabbos 88 said they were given two crowns. Not only that, Baskol explained, who revealed to my children this secret used by the angels? This Roz, this mystery. What was so special about this vow? We will do and we will listen. On the contrary, would not fulfilling the mitzvah with understanding and enlightenment be a superior level of Torah observance, meaning understanding before what I do? Why does the Medrash refer to this form of unquestioning allegiance as a secret used by the angels? And here Rav Cook comes forth with his dazzling insight. While wisdom is usually acquired through study and contemplation, there exists in nature an intuitive knowledge that requires no formal education. The bee, for example, naturally knows the optimal geometrical shape for building honeycomb cells. No bee has ever needed to register for engineering courses at MIT. I'm sure that that's a footnote by Hanan Morrison's translation. Intuitive knowledge also exists in the spiritual realm. Angels are sublime spiritual entities who do not require extensive Torah study in order to know how to serve God. Their holiness is ingrained in their very nature. It is only human beings prone to being confused by pseudo-scientific indoctrination who need to struggle in order to return to their pristine spiritual selves. For the Jews who stood at Har Sinai, it was not only Torah and Mitzvah that were revealed, and here comes his response to the Koshnetza Magid. They also discovered their own true inner essence. They attained a sublime level of natural purity and intuitively proclaimed we will do. We will follow our natural essence unhindered by any spurious artificial conventions. So Rav Kook, in a similar exposition, realizes the problem with Naase Venishma and the sequence, and similar to the Koznetza Maggid, notices that something happened at Har Sinai. It was not only the Torah mitzvahs that were revealed, but unlike the Koznetza Magal, it wasn't some kind of transcendent moment of glory that was revealed from above, but there was a discovery of their own true inner essence their own true inner essence. And that's what they discovered prior to Naseh Venishma. So but like the Koshnetza Magid, the Naseh Venishma is a response to a religious experience. However, this religious experience is a discovery of one's inner essence, true to Rav Kook's Chabad leanings, or his mother, who was a Starashella chasida, that the enod milvado is represented by the chela kolokhaim in terms of every soul and that had to be discovered through torah mitzvahs at har sinai it was reversed and that the being at har sinai itself was the prerequisite in which the response was nas Vanishma. this also might explain the Dayenu that we say in the Haggadah, ilu kervanu l'har-sinai lonu es and all the Mepharshim say, and has a beautiful exposition on that, what's the point? If the whole purpose of going to Har-Sinai uh, was to receive the Torah and we wouldn't have received the Torah, what's the Dayenu? That's just a, uh, you know, a, a journey up a hill for no reason. And the answer could be explained right here. Had we been there and exposed to this spiritual experience of being in the presence of the divine, whether transcendent or imminent, it would have been enough. It would have been enough because we would have been open to something unique and historical that is the presence of the divine, whether transcendent or imminent in our lives, that would have mounted a response. And in fact, uh, the Kedusha slavi said we would have intuited the Torah from our own bodies itself. So I want to end by saying I am dedicating this Torah To my mother, who had an intuitive sense of the divine, she blessed everyone who came to her in her old age. Uh, All she did was to bless people. And uh, she was such a towering influence that she will never be forgotten. And may her memory be for a blessing on this side.